The talk you're about to hear is by Zen teacher Sensei Amala Wrightson. Monk, it took so much hard practice for the great Zen masters of the past to penetrate great enlightenment so deeply. From what I have heard, your own realization also came only after many hardships. Someone like me, who hasn't engaged in any practice or arrived at any enlightenment, couldn't possibly achieve true peace of mind simply by perceiving the necessity of living in the unborn Buddha mind and staying just as I am. Banke, it's like this. A group of travelers climbing through a stretch of high mountains gets thirsty, and one of them strikes out and makes his way far down into the valley to fetch water. It's not easy, but he finally finds some and brings it back and gives it to his companions to drink. Don't those who drink without having exerted themselves quench their thirst the same as the one who did? Now if a person refused to drink the water because he felt that it was doing the wrong thing, there wouldn't be any way to quench his thirst. My own struggle was undertaken mistakenly because I didn't happen to meet up with a clear-eyed master. Eventually, though, I discovered the mind Buddha for myself. Ever since, I have been telling others about theirs so that they will know it without having to go through this, the ordeal, just as those people drink water and quench their thirst without having to go and find it for themselves. So you see, everyone can use the innate Buddha mind just as it is and achieve a trouble-free peace of mind without our resorting to any misguided austerities. Don't you think that is an invaluable teaching? Self-mortification, um, uh, like what um, Banke went through, is, is definitely not necessary. And it's the teaching of Buddhism has always been to avoid the extremes of, of self-mortification and self-indulgement, right? Because they um, both tend to um, emphasize the self. So th there is there is this side of it, but. Um, he also elsewhere points out that um, it's necessary for people to know this unborn Buddha mind for, for themselves. And that can involve difficulty at times and, and having to persist through difficulty. So um, the Bodhisattva, the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas can point the way and that is of huge value this pointing of the way that comes out of personal experience, but still there's work that we have to do ourselves. Um, according to our individual karma. Layman, I don't question that there are no illusory thoughts in the mind but just the same, there's no let-up to the thoughts that keep coming into my mind. I find it impossible to stay in the unborn. Banke. Although you arrived in the world with nothing but the unborn Buddha mind, you fell into your present deluded ways as you were growing up 
by watching and listening to other people in their delusion. You picked all this up gradually over a long period of time, habituating your mind to it until now your deluded mind has taken over completely and works its delusion unchecked. But none of those deluded thoughts of yours was inborn. They weren't there from the start. They ceased to exist in the mind that's affirming the unborn. It's like a sake lover who has contracted an illness that forces him to give up drinking. He still thinks about it. Thoughts about having a few drinks still enter his mind whenever he has a chance to get his hands on some sake. But since he abstains from drinking it, his illness isn't affected and he doesn't get drunk. He stays away from it despite the thoughts that arise in his mind and eventually he becomes a healthy man, cured of his illness. Illusory thoughts are no different. If you just let them come and let them go away and don't put them to work or try to avoid them, then one day you'll find that they've vanished completely into the unborn mind. I think this, this analogy of, of um, the, the sake lover is a useful one. Um, if we think in terms of um, recovery from uh, our addictions, practice is, is a form of recovery. Um, the late uh, Bernie Glassman once went along to a 12-step um, meeting and he, he took the floor and said, Hi, my name's Bernie Glassman and I'm attached to the self. Or I'm addicted to the self. We, we are pretty, pretty strongly addicted to our um, thoughting, our, our narratives about ourselves. But if we stop, if we stop feeding them with our attention, then they lose their power over us. we stop, stop swallowing what they're telling us. Monk. I have great difficulty subduing all the desires and deluded thoughts in my mind. What should I do? Banke. The idea to, to subdue deluded thoughts is a deluded thought itself. None of those thoughts exist from the start. You conjure them up out of your own discriminations. We conjure them up out of our own discriminations. Visiting monk, I appreciate very much what you told us last night about everyone being born with a Buddha mind. Still, to me it would seem that if we are this Buddha mind, illusory thoughts shouldn't arise. The instant you said that, this is Banke, the instant you said that, what illusion was there? So he puts, puts it back on the question to 
Layman. I can agree with what you say about seeing and hearing by means of the unborn. But while we're asleep, someone may be right next to us and we don't even know it. Isn't the unborn's influence lost there? What loss is there? There's nothing lost. You're just sleeping. Banke continues. Your unborn mind is the Buddha mind itself, and it is unconcerned with either birth or death. As evidence that it is, when you look at things, you're able to see and distinguish them all at once. And as you're doing that, if a bird sings or a bell tolls or other noises or sounds occur, you hear and recognize each of them too, even though you haven't given rise to a single, single thought to do so. Everything in your life from morning until night proceeds in this same way, without your having to depend on thought or reflection. But most people are unaware of that. They think everything is the result of their deliberation and discrimination. That's a great mistake. The mind of the Buddhas and the mind of ordinary men are not two different minds. Those who strive earnestly in their practice because they want satori or to discover their self-mind are likewise greatly mistaken. Everyone who recites the Heart Truth Sutra knows that the mind is unborn and undying. I think our version is uh, slightly different. We say... Um, Dharmas here are empty, all are the primal void. None are born or die, nor are they stained or pure, nor do their works away. None are born or die. No Dharma is born or dies. So we recite this. But we haven't sounded the source of the unborn. They still have the idea that they can find their way to the unborn mind and attain Buddhahood by using reason and discrimination. As soon as the notion to seek Buddhahood or to attain the way enters your mind, you've gone astray from the unborn, gone against what is unborn in you. Anyone who tries to become enlightened thereby falls out of the Buddha mind and into secondary matters. You are Buddhas to begin with. There's no way for you to become a Buddha now for the first time. Uh, we, we hear this again and again. Uh, but we, we cling to uh, our oh, discriminating, our, our use of this, this um, discriminating intellect of ours. We try to work things out rather than just experience them directly. We have to put down this, this um, strategizing, scheming mind and just look. What is this? What is Mu? Look directly. We'll stop here and recite the four vows.
The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.